On the Ball is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, the Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. A very good day to you all. Uh, leading us through for the next 30 minutes or so, we have a On The Ball first. We are all remote, um, which is uh, very exciting. None of us can see each other, so maybe um, expect a few teething troubles. Uh, but we do have, on the end of the uh, internet connection, Norwich City stats guru, NCFC numbers, a.k.a. Steve Sanders... Hi, Michael. Nice to hear you, if not see you. See, that worked. And our very own favourite Scotsman, sports journalist and commentator, Stuart Hodge, a.k.a. Hodgespot. Yeah, actually a jobless wonder at the moment, but (laughs) hey-ho. Yeah, um, I appreciate you joining us, uh, Stu. Um, Thanks gents uh, let me remind you that a subscription a subscription to the athletic not only gets you great articles to read but also access to this and all our podcasts ad free through the app you can subscribe now with a 40 percent discount by heading to theathletic.com and using the code norwich pod it works out at about three pounds per month gentlemen how are you is the first question we of course remain uh, living in extraordinary times as we discussed uh, at great length last week with uh, Dr. Ben Walden, who's also a season ticket holder <laughs> at Car Road. Don't know why I laughed after his name. He's my best mate, so I'll go. I'll go easy on him. And but, he's uh, a doctor. How are you both? And he's a doctor. It was it was apt in the extreme. So uh, there we go. But um, uh, Steve, how are you? I'm doing okay considering the circumstances. Yeah, I know you know. Obviously, like you say, extraordinary times, but. All things considered, um, I'm pretty well, although I'm going to have to get used to these four walls um, for the next few weeks. But I can live with that. As as we all are, indeed, because uh, we're literally uh, speaking uh, within at the hour of Boris Johnson confirming that everyone in the UK uh, is basically going to be housebound for, for three weeks. So... Um... There we go. It's, it's moved on a, a treat since we last did one of these podcasts. <laughs> uh, Stu, are you, are you missing your football, Stuart? Uh, yes. And do you know what? Like my proper sort of 28 days later moment was last week when my laptop broke and oh, my, no. football, my football manager game, which has been keeping me sane without work. Because obviously when you're a sports journalist and there's no sport and you don't have a staff job somewhere... That just means you don't work. So, um, yeah, I, I consoled myself playing football manager and then my laptop broke. But the uh, gentleman that I handed it into did a sterling job cleaning it and making it nice and shiny and as good as new. And more importantly than anything, despite him reloading the operating system, that football manager game remained intact. And West Bromwich Albion have recently reached the Europa League final. So it's. <laughs> What extraordinary times we live in. <laughs> well, uh, thank goodness that your football manager's back. I mean, I, I, I ditched uh, using um, computer games because they used to take up too much of my time. So 
Um, I'm, I'm fingers. I don't That's know. That's all I've Bring got. All day. Day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it now, to be honest. Um, uh, which um, probably takes me to this afternoon, where I spent. Uh, obviously, we, we should update that. Um, I think since we were last on, although the days are all a little bit hazy at the moment, but the Premier League has now confirmed there'll be no football until uh, the start of May at the earliest, which I would suggest already looks thoroughly optimistic from where we are um and so various clubs will have to figure out how they keep their players um ticking over and fitness and when they're going to bring them back in and of course when we might actually get some football and as we mentioned last week sport probably isn't of 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 the utmost concern at the moment as we all as a as a as a race effectively human race try and deal with the the coronavirus um, pandemic what we did get this afternoon, though, uh, as a, as an aside, was Todd Cantwell playing FIFA uh, on Twitch uh, along uh, against someone from Fleetwood Town as part of the uh, Ultimate Quarantine Cup uh, first round. And Todd won 2-1. Uh, he was representing Norwich City, and, and it was a wonderful experience <laughs> from my bedroom. As an insider to the Norwich City dressing room at times, Michael, can I ask, do you know if Todd Cantwell is the best FIFA player in the Norwich team? Well, um, I, I mean, I'm not really young enough to probably fully appreciate this, but what I did notice was Todd was getting a few warm-up games in. And the really, the really fun thing was you got to hear Todd on his little headset, presumably, I, I didn't have a picture, but I'm assuming it was a headset, uh, talk while he was playing. Which was great because sometimes, you know, he was improper, like I'm going to talk to you as my audience and, and be like, nice and proper and thanks for putting this on and all this sort of stuff. And then he answered some questions as well, which were nice. And then he sort of was himself for the rest of the time as if he was just playing with his mates on FIFA and it was, it was great. And him sort of commentating on his teammates as if they were real people. I think at one point he literally had a go at Emmy Buendia for not closing down a cross. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> wow, this is, is this reality or is this, is this, is I was going to say, we've, we've seen similar quite a lot on the real Carrow Road pitch. <laughs> so how, how did the game go, Michael, if you were going to do a quick, a brief match report on it? Yeah, I would say um, I would say Todd made a really strong start, and he was openly going on about how happy he was at how compact uh, his team was. He kept praising his opponent. He said he was a very good FIFA player. He went one nil up. I can't remember who scored the goal. Uh, <laughs> he was praising Jamal Lewis a lot. Once he went one nil up, um, his opponent Liam, I think his name was, um, who was representing Fleetwood, he, he came into the game and he was playing some really nice stuff, and and then it went back to one one, and you could hear the nerves. You could hear the nerves in Todd's voice, and that was just after half time. And genuinely, this was like proper sport. This was like this. This feels proper now. He's this is nerve. Imagine if you lose to Fleetwood, Todd. Um, but uh, Timu Puki, um, I can't remember who threaded the ball through, but it was beautiful. Uh, there was a lot of uh, there a lot of reliance on Andre Duda. I, I realised in terms really? of how Todd was playing. Worrying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it was a wonderful finish from Te- old school Timu, although it was with his was it. No, I think it was his right foot. Anyway, it doesn't matter because it's a virtual computer game. But um, he, uh, he he gave him a 2-1 lead. And then as soon as he went 2-1 up, Todd was um, asking uh, what happens now in terms of extra time because they were in season mode or something and they didn't quite know if they were in the right... if they were going to actually get extra time or we'd have to replay the game, uh, which I liked. It was That was a nice amateur feel to it. But uh, he saw it out um, with some proper... Um, let's stick it in the corners. It was, it was, Excellent. It was proper. It was, yeah. Uh, which apparently is the most frustrating thing in the world when you're playing FIFA. So um, Now, I, I'm not a FIFA expert either, but what I'm wondering is, did you note what team he played, like who he selected as he's 11, and whether uh, he had I, any subs? I mean, I was trying to work at the same time. So I, I did, he said he brought on he brought on Mario Vrancic late on for a free kick, which I don't think ever came. 
Um, I noticed he was playing a sort of a 3-3, a 4-3-3, I think. So Andre Duda was like his holding midfielder, which um, something like that. Um, but no, he obviously had himself and he, he did hammer himself for, not, for, for a couple of slack um, passes. But I don't know if that was he was talking about himself physically. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it, is, it, is it his avatar or him in the I game mean, or, or actually him? him? The, the whole thing is ridiculous. I mean, I've already spent six minutes longer than talking about FIFA than any time in my life. But, um, you know, it, yeah, it, can, can I just say, if, we are. Had, had you told me uh, a month ago that we'd spend the first five minutes of a podcast talking about Todd Cantwell playing on FIFA, I would never have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say one of the most profound tweets I saw, and I think, again, I can't remember if it was this week just gone or the week before because I don't know what day it is, but um, there was a, someone tweeted saying, oh, this time last week, Liverpool were losing to Atletico Madrid. And you just thought, wow, that was only a week ago. Yeah, yes, had the same conversation <laughs> with someone else. Was that actually. last week? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, God, it feels like a year ago. There we go. Um, the other thing it's worth uh, pointing out is that uh, Todd Cantwell, along with some of the other Norwich City first team players, uh, called some of the uh, elderly season ticket holders at Carrow Road to have a chat with them, which I think is lovely. It, it's mm-hmm. worth saying that, um, and quite rightly too, obviously it's great that Norwich City are doing it. They're not the only Premier League football club doing it, but nor should they be, and nor is it a competition as to who can be the most uh, socially aware or whichever. Let's just hope everyone's doing it because everyone has that responsibility. But absolutely fantastic that they were they were doing that. And I, I hope anyone listening to this who um, maybe lives somewhere and, and doesn't, I don't know, maybe you, you do know some season ticket holders who are near you or you don't and you should go and find out, although we're not allowed to socially mix now, are we? So I probably shouldn't say that. But obviously, the, the more we can help each other, that's the sentiment I'm trying to get across, then Agreed, the better. Yeah, um, yeah uh, by the way, I just think like in terms of all of the off-the-field stuff, I've, I think I've made the point before in the podcast, I think Norwich City, even just the things like when the team sort of get in the tunnel, um, and like the the fact that usually every member of the squad's there signing like the mascot's book or whatever, all of that sort of stuff. Regardless of whether we finish bottom of the league, whether the league finishes, whatever happens, um, I think Norwich City, like in in terms of that side of it, the club is an absolute credit to every one of us, um, and and that kind of score, and we we really do get value in, in that in that side of things, um, from from the team. So like I I, th- I think we should feel lucky about that. 100% brilliant uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, flag up if I may is there is a uh, a diary with a manager and a player the player is James Chester who is oh gosh I'm going to get this wrong now and he's at Aston Villa isn't he at the moment? yeah I believe he's still there yeah and um, the manager is Paul Warren who's of course Rotherham United manager but he's also a good old Norfolk boy and um yeah, it's really interesting reading. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a regular feature over that sort of weekly feature over the coming weeks, just with how a player and a manager are, are dealing with the coronavirus, the suspension in football, and especially in I think especially in terms of um, of Paul Warned, some of the issues you're facing in terms of dealing with a squad and dealing with a small club that's kind of looking up to you, and or maybe the, all the little issues that we perhaps don't. Um, immediately think of but um, a really interesting first read you can read that over at The Athletic now and uh, hopefully there'll be a fresh one up each week that is uh, that's certainly the plan so keep an eye out for that one
Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash on the ball and pay the postage of £4.95. And if, as if that wasn't enough, on the ball listeners get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. And as an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash on the ball to get your case free. And don't forget right now, listeners get two extra free beers. I'm not going to talk about this properly now, gents. We will do over the coming weeks, but it's another plug, I'm afraid, because uh, we are doing our top three greatest goals uh, at various clubs, and I'm doing mine for Norwich. Now, uh, number three is live. It went live uh, just before the weekend, I think. It is Simeon Jackson's header at Portsmouth in 2011, the goal that sealed Norwich City's Premier League return for the first time in six six years, I think it was. Lovely moment, lovely story. You can read that. Uh, we'll have a proper chat about all these because we're going to um, we're going to talk about all the ones that didn't get included <laughs> and probably how I screwed it up. I'm currently writing number two. Now, I don't think number two will have ever been included in any greatest goal list ever. Are you just being contrary? <laughs> well, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not deliberately, <laughs> but it is probably the result. Uh, to me, it's a goal that opened up the opportunity for so many great moments, and that why to, that is why for me it's such a great goal. I'm trying to but, guess what it is now. Okay, but I'll wait. I'll um, wait and see. I'll wait so that's number two. That will be coming out next week, and then number th- number one in my top three. I know exactly what that is. Mm. Um, Do you think that, that will be an obvious choice? Um. I think it would be one where I say it and people go, oh, yeah. Um, what I will say, the only caveat is that the I've, I've only gone from 1992 onwards. Not because that's when football started, <laughs> just because that was an, a, a, a sort of a handy cut-off point, really. Okay. So it's only goals onwards from 1992. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting okay. <laughs> for me and, and slightly unnerving. <laughs> I think I know what number one is, but I'm not going to guess for obvious reasons. Oh, um, well, you can guess, and then I just won't make any noise. Are you sure? Okay, well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say Jeremy Goss. So we'll see. We'll see if I'm proven right. We will and... see if you're proven right. The one thing I am willing to say, and I, again, I think this will be controversial, there's not a single goal in it from last season. Ooh, well... Maybe, that, maybe that's right. But see. then I don't think there is one goal that defines last season, is there, really? Oh, the one where Buendia did the Lionel Messi touch thing. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Sort of in the build-up. Like, I, I, think, I think that was that was the one for me. It was, it was a kind of quint, quintessential team goal. But what is... That was the goal against Hull, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. 
There were a few yeah. quintessential goals. I, I don't know if there was one goal that you would say, oh, yeah, that's the one that got us promoted or, or that's, yeah, that's the one I'll always remember. You know, I think there were just lots of good, important goals. The Vrancic free kick was a special individual yes. sort of... You've just completely proven me wrong with no, one I've, fell stroke. I, to be fair, Stu, uh, Steve's logic was exactly what I was following and Stu's suggestion there was the only goal where I thought that could break it. But um, See, that's why you have us on, Michael, because we offer such differing you know, points of view. <laughs> exactly. Please, God, we all need that. Um, so, yes, uh, goal two will be on its way uh, this week at some point once I speak to some people. Um, and then uh, goal one will be the following week. And then I think we're going to have a big chat about it in various forms um, especially on how wrong I got it. So that will be exciting. Um, now, what I did want our, our subject to be in terms of a discussion this week um, uh, is off the back, really, of what's happening over at The Athletic, which is our rebooted series. Now, because the 2019-20 season has kind of ground to a, a huge halt um, in the middle of March... Uh, the Bright Sparks, who are my bosses and who I love very dearly, uh, decided to begin a rebooted campaign where they were going to relive the rest of a season from the point at which this one suspended. So from the middle of March, they are telling some brilliant stories and reliving some great tales of the 1998-99 season. So effectively, they're telling that story from March 1999 until the end of that campaign. Um and to be honest, I, I can sort of re remember bits and bobs. There's already a couple of great pieces on um, Sir Alex Ferguson and Emil Heskey as well, talking about the League Cup final, I think it was, um, where he, he wished he would have played and they would have beaten Spurs. Uh, I think it was the final, I'd have to double check. Um, so there's loads of great stuff here and that will continue to flow through for the, probably the next couple of months because I think we're all kind of assuming we won't see any uh, any current football for, for that period of time. So uh, we will see. Um and of course, Norwich weren't in the Premier League back in 1999. So I was going to have a big discussion about it. But uh, I, I think it's since become apparent that um, <laughs> you, 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 I've sort of predated both of well, your supporting journeys. Here, yeah, I? It, it predates me. I started in about 2001. So that, that it comes at a time that was just, just before I started. And I was looking at it and, and thinking, well, they have kind of stitched you up a bit here because it is the most forgettable run of games. It's not as if we kind of were on the, we stayed up just about or we were on a charge the playoffs um, and we didn't even go on a particularly good losing run or winning run sorry not to completely spoil the features for the next two months but one thing I wanted to ask was one thing I saw was that there was a lot of Bellamy and Roberts at that point so my I have a, just a quick question for you Michael is oh, yeah. that the best strike partnership that you can remember at Norwich City because it, as I say it predates me so I have no memory of those two together but I can't think of any given that those two are kind of legends at the club I can't think of any front twos that would rank as highly as they did so I'm putting you on the spot but is there any oh. that would just before close? you answer as well right couple of legends countrymen and like total contrast in terms yeah, of abilities yeah. really good question it is a really good question um we might, over the coming weeks, get someone talking about that who had <laughs> first-hand knowledge. Um, so uh, it's a great subject. I mean, I have Are you going to keep your powder dry? It's my... No, in, well, I'm trying to think of... So I think... Um, I can't exactly remember how they used to play in 
or mm. three four but I, I think i think chris sutton and, and rule fox played quite close together but then they had lee Parin in amongst it as well so probably in terms of a spark and a natural duo that just it hit it off um yeah i think they probably are i think most other most other most of the other times if there was if there was a really good partnership i think the one of them tended to play a little bit deeper or a little bit wider so it wasn't really a natural, a natural well what, what about the paul lambert era though he often had sort of two two guys up front sort of causing yeah havoc. but they were almost sort of they were almost linked by wes between them because it basically would have been chris martin and, and Grant. yeah they were fairly interchangeable as well because it was Martin for League One and then Jackson, obviously, which, you know, just to go back to that, um, the, the Portsmouth goal article, um, which you can read about <laughs> more of Simeon in there, obviously. Um, he came in and then it was Morrison for a while as well. So nobody really got that long a run in the team, I don't think. I tell you what, it's a great question, though. I've iconic Norwich City strike partnerships. I don't feel like we've... And I, someone, will, someone will do me a kipper here, but I... I, I <laughs> That doesn't feel in my supporting and watching time there have been many truly great partnerships. So and of course we've been one up front earlier. But we've been one up front yeah, years, haven't we as well? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just on the subject of Norwich City Strikers, right? Um as you say, this predated um our supporting journeys a wee bit. I was just kinda getting into football in general when I was a wee guy, um when this was all going on. Football was awesome back then, it should be said. Um, yeah. But my main connection was, and I asked you guys this before it, is uh, Gaetano Gialanza, was he there for that season? Um, and the reason for that is, um, and again, Sports Interactive are going to love me here, um, Gaetano Gialanza had 20 finishing in the 2000-2001 Championship Manager game. There's a wee start to throw in. Great, I, I love that. <laughs> it was such a shame about his, his injury um, because he, he did have a little bit about him um, and it was a really horribly in, uh, not innocuous... Um, is that a word? Innocuous? Have I made that word up? Innocuous? Innocuous? It's been a long week. Um, uh, injury, and it was one of those where he did his knee really badly, literally no one around him, and he just landed awkwardly and that was that. And uh, I don't think he ever... I don't, to be honest, I don't think he ever played again. Certainly not at Norwich. So, um, But it was... Um, what I will say about now, I Steve, I felt exactly the same about the '99 um, run-in as you. It was complete indescript. Mm. What on earth went on? I can't remember much about it. Um, so this was in prime time of my uh, me being a season ticket holder in the Lower Barclay, and I I just watched the um, <laughs> the last part of the season review <laughs> and reminded myself of loads of stuff. So I'm just going to go through it now, and um, you can either chime in or not i'm just going to rattle it off um first things first uh it was the season when norwich played in all yellow they had an all yellow kit which was um the second i think it was the second season they played in their all yellow kit which was de designed by bruce oldfield and i don't think they'd ever played in yellow shorts before and i don't think they ever should again because that kit was minging <laughs> <laughs> well uh, the the um end season review ends with them um with norwich playing in their kit uh, for the last two games saying oh look they've gone back into green shorts because everyone asked for it yeah never <laughs> so, uh, change back. but also also yellow nets at carrow road which i have to say looks brilliant I, I i do kind of half wish they would just bring back yellow nets i don't know <laughs> if there's a reason why they haven't but um maybe one day and, and their away kit was the um 
sort of a navy deep dark navy blue kit oh, with yeah. uh, fluorescent strips on the yes, side yes i remember that which yeah. again i really liked yeah. but a they wore it at barnsley i remember i was at the game and they changed into yellow shirts so obviously why would you need a navy chain strip um, <laughs> away at barnsley um they were one nil down at half time and I think the players complained that they couldn't see each other properly. So they decided to put on yellow, sh- the home yellow shirts, but keep the rest of the kit for wow. the second half. And they won 3 1. Oh. Brilliant. That, by the way, was a brilliant night. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Also, they then went to Oxford later in the season, but they could, <laughs> which, okay, yellow shirts. But um, uh, Norwich had the same shorts and socks on as Oxford, who played in dark blue. So they had to wear Oxford's yellow shorts and socks and their own home and the the navy chain shirt and um norwich won four two oxford there you go when oxford are in the championship heady days um uh keith o'neill was sold for 750 grand to middlesbrough having turned down a bid for a four million quid from newcastle a few uh a few probably a year or two earlier good old keith o'neill he's one of my favorite players I, well, because I always, I always, sorry, Darren Eady. I always felt he was better than Darren Eady. It's just really? he was never fit. It, well, it's just that he was never fit enough to show it. Oh, okay. Um, and um, where, where was it? Um, where was it? He scored an absolutely fantastic goal. And this is where my knowledge is completely gone. But there, was it Tranmere or somewhere like that? He scored a goal from maybe about forty yards. Yes, that was at Tranmere. Um, or was that the goal? I don't know if that was the game where it almost got fogged off. Um, but he did score from miles out and he also scored a brilliant goal at West Brom to go 1-0 up early on and then Norwich got done 4-1 I think or might have been the 5-1 de- defeat before they then lost 6-1 at Port Vale they never get remembered those goals do they no this is, this is a shame um, and there was a nice a nice story that Keith O'Neill told where he said he um, he was training at Norwich and then he was he was made to stay behind by Bruce Rioch who was manager by the way at this, at this time he was made to stay behind and do a running session with three or four of the other players he went in the showers afterwards and bruce Rioch said oh um by the way keith we've just accepted a, a bid from middlesbrough so you're off and keith was like well why have you just put me through a massive running session <laughs> and bruce said it was something to remember him by <laughs> which i thought was a, a lovely little tale um uh now off the back of last week's pod uh, this was the period in fact where daryl russell first broke through into the first team as an 18 year old it was brilliant. It was brilliant watching the games and seeing Daryl Russell shine because we mentioned him in last week's pod. Yeah, um, saw lots of uh, Andy Marshall in goal. He looked, I can't look, he, or to be honest, he looked pretty rubbish. He, he, can I he ask didn't you about stop Andy a lot Marshall? of shots on goal. Of course you can. Well, because my first season, as I say, was 2001, so that was just after Marshall left. So mm. my feeling with Norwich fans is that Everybody always, in retrospect, said he was rubbish because he obviously left to join Ipswich, so why wouldn't you? Was he actually any good? <laughs> well, no, I could genuinely say this. I was watching, the, I was watching the, um, the end of this season review and the ball kept going through him. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, okay. Now, I know we used to take the mick in the Barclay. We used to take the mick out of him because he would always get done off his line. He'd always be about two metres too far forward. And he wasn't the biggest goalkeeper. He was quite young still. I think he was only 21, 20, I don't know how old he was then. Um, and I think the perception always was that Robert Green, who made his debut, by the way, in, in this period as well, when mm-hmm. Norwich drew nil-nil at home to Ipswich. He was only 18 at the time, Greeno. Um, but uh, the perception was that 
that Andy Marshall wasn't wasn't he didn't really have much presence. So he kind of following on from Brian Gunn as well. Don't forget, who'd basically been goalkeeper for however long. So huge gloves to fill. Um, but the the more you watch it back, you're like, yeah, there's not a lot of presence there. And then for him, but but he he did well. I mean, he was England under 21's goalkeeper. And so. by the way, that all said, did he not play nearly 200 games or something for Norwich? Like, yeah, he just did it at a really young age. I mean, he he was, I think, common conception is that he was too young when he stepped in for Gunny. Mm. Uh, when he injured his leg or his ankle, I think it was, and then Norwich got relegated, and um, and yeah, I suppose Norwich saw him developing, but I don't know. And, and then he had a, he had an okay time at Ipswich, but probably didn't kick on much after that, I suppose. So, and and Robert Green proved to be a bet, better goalkeeper. Yes, so he I did. Ro- Robert Green was uh, a really good, really really good goalkeeper. Brilliant watching his uh, his debut, and at one point him um, basically giving Matt Jackson a massive nosebleed because he headbutted him as he came out for a ball. Um, <laughs> that was on his debut, so that was good. Uh, what else did I see? Because um, I've got some good notes here. I've got a wee question to throw in as well. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, right, so obviously with the Tartan spawning on, um, Peter Grant, Malky Mackay, um, which of those two Scotsmen made uh, a bigger impact on this season, would you say? Oh, this season, I think um, this season Malky was kind of feeling his way in. So I think um, I remember with Malky, it always took him about two months to get up to speed at the start of every season. <laughs> People always have a terrible time at the start of the season and then he'd kind of get into it. And once he got into it, he was he was brilliant. Um, it's like any other sort of Rolls Royce, you know, the, the lower gears aren't, aren't really there. But once you it. get cruising into third or fourth, it's sound sweet as enough. Yeah. I think um, I think Peter was he was a really good signing for where Norwich were, which was basically giving them some experience and something to stabilise them in the middle. And I think he did make a real impact. I don't think Norwich were ever going to kick on with him in there, but I think he was quite important for when he was there. But then obviously Malky was a part of the club when they were having some really good success, and he made a really good impact. So, so for me, Malky was was um, was much more important and and much more pivotal in in what he was doing and. It was really it, when he was in form. Not only could he um, prove to be such a rock at the back, but he would chip in with a header at the other end. I mean, it just the, the remarkable impact he made at the end of the two thousand and one two season, getting Norwich into the playoffs was was brilliant. They yeah, were, they were heady days indeed. Um, uh, what else I've got here is before the derby at Carrow Road. By the way, the game at Portman Road earlier in that season was the first time Norwich had beaten Ipswich in absolutely ages, and the first time I saw them win live against Ipswich. So that is a very special memory for me. Um, but there was um, there was before the Carrow Road game um, the shake hands on Derby Day initiative, and on the uh, season review video, uh, Bruce Rioch and George Burley went and had um, had uh, I don't know, some food, I guess, at the Skull Inn with uh, Tony Jones, who interviewed them for, for Anglia. Um, just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful sight. Um, uh, and of course, it then finished nil-nil and no one got that excited. Um, Norwich did also sign uh, Paul Dalglish on loan from Newcastle United, uh, <laughs> who, who remains one of those players who, who clearly had some talent yeah, he could look like the worst football you'd ever seen play football in a professional game. Um, Phil Mulrine, who scored the most wonderful free kick at Grimsby, and also uh, Cedric Onsalan, um, signed from Bordeaux, mm. uh, friend of the podcast, Cedric Onsalan. They also had a, a 59ers reunion before a 2-2 draw with Tranmere. 
Um, anyone want to guess the two goal scorers for Norwich? Um, well, I'm right. looking at the team right now, so I'll take a pass. All right, that's you. cheating. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll go that Ewan Roberts got one of them. No, but it's a good. It's a decent guess. It's mm. <laughs> great. Uh, uh, Bellamy. Yes, well done. Lee Marshall. No, it was Phil Ryan. <sighs> well done for a, 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 another good guess. Thanks. And um, <laughs> I think the only other thing I was going to mention is uh, that Ewan Roberts was player of the season. Adrian Coote made his debut towards the end of the season as well. One other question, actually, just before yes, we let this go. So there's a <laughs> list of people here who have obviously made that sort of jump from being players on the field that you, you revere and adore to um, members of the media and uh, part of, of sort of on our side of the fence kind of thing. So of all the people that you've dealt with, um, so you've got the likes of Cedric, Darren Ede, obviously, um, people like Adrian Forbes as well. Like There's, there's been a few of them that you'll have spoken to. So of all the people that you've ever worked with or dealt with subsequently, so out with the, the kind of football playing sphere, who's your favourite and do you have a good story about them? Oh, um, so what, my favourite to deal with out of all the ex-pros? Oh. Yeah, um, oh, that's really, that's very hard. I've just because, put you in a place where you're going to offend someone. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> let me say, it's, it's very weird is probably the best thing to say because it was very weird working with Darren Eady at Mustard TV and lovely. I get on really well with Darren, um, and I caught I've caught up with a f I've caught up with two of those names you mentioned recently actually, but I probably won't go into that much. But um, they all seem so. It's just it's just weird having, especially with someone like you and Roberts, who I watched play in a in a yellow shirt for for so many years, and then to sort of be engaging with them so much afterwards, it's it's still quite surreal. But it's it's lovely. I, I love the privilege of that job. I suppose the only story I can tell with Ewan is I remember we went up to um, Blackpool for a League Cup tie in whenever night. Probably might have even been this this season actually, 1998-99, I can't remember. But um, we went all the way up to Blackpool. It was an evening kickoff and there was an electrical storm. Um, so they postponed the game probably. I think they actually tried to delay kickoff and then they postponed the game sort of probably about eight, ten past eight. Right. So we all went off to we all went off to the pleasure beach. And we actually left Blackpool later than we would have done had we watched the game. Um <laughs> which was a long old trip back. But I think we were waiting outside. We we deliberately just hung around until all the players got on the coach and then I think we tried to speak to Ewan then and he was he was he was nice enough. And then Steen Niedergaard was carrying the balls back to the, to the bus. He was, he was one of my cult heroes, Steve Niedergaard. What a great player. player. Let's talk about great goals, his strike against Coventry. Well, there we go. Anyway, for anyone who thinks that not a lot happened in 1998-99, uh, in uh, myself included, I've now put myself uh, right or wrong. <laughs> Is that right? I can't remember. Well, I think there's something I mean. to be said for going back and revisiting a time that literally everyone has forgotten about. And if you were there at that point and you remember, well, and, and there is stuff you've forgotten about, then it's worth catching up on, even if they weren't like vintage years, right? And and sea football in general, by the way, was just far more epic then. Like I just have to say, like I, 
that was the period where so I suppose it's a bit like I'm not married, right? I'm, I'm never that good at keeping a relationship going. Uh, so you will know where this is going. Um, but when it comes to football, this was the bit where I was falling in love with uh, the mistress that is the game, the beautiful game. Um, and this was this was during our courtship, you know. Um, whereas now we've reached that kind of point where, like, I think we've both at least considered divorce at some point. But um, yeah, when now we're on a, a sort of a, a, a bit of a break, you know. It was just a break. <laughs> this athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, shape and size and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up and coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with your other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Right, uh, as is becoming a uh, rapidly recurring feature in these non-football times, um, we're going to have some quiz questions, I think. Well, uh, should we address last week's quiz questions first, Steve? Yes, let's do that. Um, I think there was one that we there was one we did answer, but we might as well recap on it now, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember which ones we did and didn't answer, but I'll go I'll go through it all in in any case. So uh, the first question was about uh, well, we've already touched on him today, actually. Um, so there's only one Norwich City player who's played for the club in the 1990s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. Who was it? Uh, can I play, by the way? Because I've not actually played any of these questions, and I haven't heard last week yet. Play yeah, away. Uh, right. Uh, who's played in all those decades? Uh, I'm <laughs> going to take a quick pass because I can't think. Well, Robinson. <laughs> okay. The clue being that he uh, was already mentioned. Uh, Daryl Russell was the only player to have done it. So um, just scraped into the 2010s under the Lambert years. So that's the answer to question one. Uh, Which we question... did give last week. I haven't given that one away. That was in last week's. Yeah, it? it was in last week's. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that one was there. Um, so question two was about um, around Chris Wilder when for a fourth time against Norwich City in the space of three seasons. Um, three managers did that between 2011 and 2014, and they were the last three to do that against Norwich City. Um, so I think we got Brendan Rodgers on the show. That sounds like we he was on, actually on the show. He was. It, it, was, right. it was Ben, wasn't it? But um, yeah. yeah, so Brendan Rodgers was one, uh, all of them at Liverpool. Um, Arsene Wenger did it four times in the space of three years with Arsenal. And then the third one was, of course, Paul Lambert, who was with <laughs> us for one of those years and then won four times with Villa between 2012 and 2014. Okay, I wouldn't um, have got any of those. That was a, that was <laughs> that a, was a tough one. one. We had a chat a off air, didn't we, after the pod? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think you know. we, we, got, we got them in the end, but it took a fair while. People and got a week to one, these out, th- right? So. Well, this is true. This is true. This one I did get. This one I did know. 
I can confirm that that Michael did get this one before leaving the party. I want to have a week. Um, So this was based on uh, Michael's piece about the 2004-2005 season, which, by the way, if you haven't read, go back and have a look. It's really, really interesting, and I do remember those years. Um, So there was only one player who scored against the same opposition home and away that season. Who was the player? Do you want to have a punch, Stu? Yeah. Nice work. Um, Michael, well do you want to say who that was against? That was against Arsenal. And the goal at Highbury was a was an absolute peach. I must confess, I can't remember the goal at Carrow Road. <laughs> I think it was a pen, but they were both in 4-1 uh, defeats. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one was definitely better than the other. Um, so, I don't know, do I say at this point, well done if you got those at home. Um, I think and... that's nice if you do, Steve. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, well done. No, genuinely, well done <laughs> if you got those at home. I don't like to make them easy. So, um, so I'll, I'll punt three again at you um, oh. as... Uh, we've we've all got time right to be doing these yeah. so yeah, okay yeah. Uh, so this time last year we were six games into an eight game winning run who remembers that that was fantastic wasn't it that already feels like light years ago um, gosh three players in that run scored two goals in one game which three players were they and I reckon maybe maybe don't have a punt at this one guys I reckon maybe leave because we'll yeah. there's a couple I think you will easily get. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So three players no scored two goals in the game during that run, and we'll talk about which players they were and who that was against next week. Yeah. Um, last game that we played, uh, so it's question two now. Last game that we played was um, a goalless defeat in Yorkshire. Uh, the last time we scored a Premier League goal in Yorkshire was May 1995 against Leeds. So my question is, who scored that goal? Oh, who gosh. scored the goal? Uh, what? Well, ask that question again. <laughs> so we haven't scored a Premier League goal in Yorkshire since May 1995. Who okay. scored the goal? And it was against Leeds. Yeah. Okay. So that's going even further back than 98-99. And then the final question is um, a very, very loose Mother's Day theme. So yesterday was obviously Mother's Day. <laughs> Um, there... Oh, yeah. Uh, just before you say that, you should definitely read the piece on The Athletic uh, speaking to a host of um, uh, footballers' mums. It's really interesting talking about how they feel about watching their sons play uh, and daughters, um, what it was like bringing them up um, and, and their sort of football journey and where they are now. I, I spoke to Michelle Redmond and Susan Gunn and they were both an absolute delight. And the piece Aww. itself, which was put together by Richard Sutcliffe, is is brilliant so you should definitely read it i Carry haven't on, no no i haven't i haven't read that that sounds fantastic i am going to though um because i think definitely. footballers mums are probably all really really nice i've read enough about footballers wives that i'm quite happy to read something about their mums <laughs> um, i wouldn't i wouldn't mess with michelle redmond that's all i would say <laughs> ooh, okay okay well we'll have to read about that um so the so my my loose connection with this is that uh, Norwich City have had six players to play for them this century whose surname starts with the letters M-A, as in Ma. I mean, it's tenuous. <laughs> it's very that tenuous. tenuous. So, sorry, That's uh, ridiculous, so, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I say six players. In fact, six surnames. So there so may exactly. have been one or two of those 
that occur more than once. I'm not going to say which any of those are, but for example, if it was MU um, and you said Murphy, that would only count for one answer. You couldn't have both Jacob and Josh. So there are six yes. players this century whose surnames have begun, sorry, six surnames this century beginning with MA, and two of them are absolute doozy. So if you can get those, then genuinely well done to you at home. And one of them we've mentioned today. Uh, we have, yes. Yeah. Big clue. Clue, two of them. But there you go. Yes, I love that. Right. Um, that's that's great. Mm. No, going. that it's, it's tenuous, but it's actually a really good question. Uh, right. Well, in that case, I think all it leaves me to say is that, as I said at the top of the pod, you can listen to these podcasts ad free through our app. Uh, when you subscribe to the Athletic, you get forty percent off which effectively makes it £36 for a whole year uh, with the special on-the-ball code NORWICHPOD. And also for subscribers, we are doing regular Q&As. There may may not be any football, but we'll be having those discussions uh, once or twice a week uh, on a a variety of topics that I am still working on. (laughs) Uh, So make sure um, you keep an eye out for that over on my Twitter feed and uh, you'll have the links then to join in with those uh, discussions. Uh, But that is it for On The Ball this week. The podcast is freely available on your podcast player of choice, so please spread the word. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then just sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey, uh, and uh, make sure you get as many of those in as possible. We'll try and uh, try and uh, answer probably some of those over the forthcoming podcasts. Uh, in the meantime, it is a big thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. I hope our witterings have been at least vaguely entertaining for some people. 100%, especially <laughs> at these times when there's limited entertainment around. Uh, and uh, thank you very much, Stu. Yeah, thanks for having us on, guys. And I have to say, I miss everyone in, in Norfolk. And it might be a while before I see you as I get, and see you all again. So please stay safe. Uh, we will stay safe. And uh, don't worry, Stu. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll all be back to normal at some point soon. We all hope. And then you can come down here and we can do a podcast in person. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, have a very good evening. Boom!